Welcome to Rich Answers, a public affairs program of the Conference of Churches and a production of the 224 Ecospace, where changemakers work, create, and lead. Today we are fortunate to have with us Reverend Robin Anderson, who is founder and principal of Destiny Alliance, a consulting firm that specializes in health equity, advocacy, and faith-based organizations. She is currently preparing for a legislative breakfast on April 15th to focus on health equity in Connecticut. Welcome. Thank you. It's so good to be here today. Well, we're glad to have you here. So why don't you start out by telling us about why you decided to create Destiny Alliance? Decided to create uh, Destiny Alliance is uh, really um, as it relates to um, just the vision that I had really gotten from um, God and really looking at the work that God has had me to do and the gifts that God has given me. And they have been to help people to reach their destiny or those that are not uh, in jeopardy of reaching their destiny to be able to provide advocacy for them. And so this has led you to do some work with a group called the Ministerial Health Fellowship Advocacy Coalition, which is funded in part by the Connecticut Health Foundation. Talk about that group and how it came to be. Uh, about seven uh, years ago, uh, we started these community conversations uh, as it relates to the standards of health care. And um, in the uh, community conversations that were uh, held at uh, Cross Street Church in Middletown, and then also we had, they were also held in, um, also in New Britain as well. Uh, out of that um, community conversation, um, the community really said that we really needed to really form an advocacy coalition and that mainly faith-based uh, leaders should be at the helm of that, but also that each church that does not have a health ministry should have one, or and also they should have an advocacy um, uh, component to their health ministry. And so as a part of that, uh, a group of pastors really came together, and for the first year, they went through this intensive training really around just understanding behavioral health, understanding some of the disparities that are in the uh, African-American and Latino community and knowing more about it, such as diabetes and asthma, some of the traumatic things that are um, also uh, play, that plague um, these communities as, as well. And so as a part of that, we continue to grow. And from the after a year of the pastors going through this intensive training and then really orchestrating, uh, we met with legislators, we talked with legislators. Some of them had never been to the legislative office building, and so we had tours of the legislative office building. And then after that, uh, that we decided, they decided, also along with myself, that, you know, not just us uh, should be involved in this, but we really need to include our uh, church leaders uh, as well. And so um, we added church leaders. They started sending their church leaders from their uh, congregations. And then we thought about community leaders as well. And then community leaders have been added uh, also. And so we have, you know, many different uh, partnerships. And every year we kind of launch our um, political uh, agenda that we have policy agenda and then uh, with our legislators and then we also have a legislative um, uh, breakfast uh, each year to really speak with our legislators again about some of the concerns that we have 
uh, as it relates to health disparities, but also some health care policies that need to change to really help us to achieve health equity and mainly uh, affordability and insurance. And so you said a lot, and for those that are listening, this idea of health equity and health disparities might be something that's hard to understand. Can you unpack that a bit? What is health disparities? Well, health disparities um, are really that I believe that everyone is entitled to good health. And so some of the uh, things that impact um, our health um, has to do with environmental kinds of things, uh, whether it's our housing, uh, for instance, um, uh, many, um, especially people that um, are impoverished or socioeconomic level at the low end, uh, are in co uh, communities in which um, there are recycling could be going on in those communities, um, also nuclear plants and factories and stuff, which has um, impacted uh, their health. And then also, because of uh, their poverty issues, some of them aren't able to get uh, by nutritional kinds of things or foods that will be able to get them healthy. We have communities that we do not even have a full-service grocery store in those communities. And so that causes health disparities. And so it's been proven that especially African Americans and also Latinos die at an earlier age uh, because of cer certain health conditions that, uh, that are really more so environmental as well as due to the lack of nutrition uh, and also access to um, health care uh, as well and also even uh, health care that may be more specialized based on their conditions uh, as well. And so when we think about how people end up living, let's say for example uh, in the greater Hartford area there are some neighborhoods that really are neighborhoods where health is challenged in many ways. They might be neighborhoods where there's been a lot of violence. It might be neighborhoods where there's been low-income housing that's had uh, deferred maintenance, and so they might have high levels of lead or health concerns in the housing. And then, like you said, it might be neighborhoods where there aren't readily available supermarkets and fresh foods. And so all of those things add up to people having different health outcomes. And so this ministerial alliance that's looking at advocacy around health are really taking a look at these issues. So what has been the impact for the pastors to have this kind of awareness and the training that you've provided through your firm? I think it really has uh, really um, opened our eyes in terms of, and you know, underneath all of this is really racism um, and really dealing with uh, racism because everyone should have the right to being able to live in an environment that is healthy. Everyone should have the right to be able to uh, have access to nutritional foods. Everyone should have the right to have access to uh, doctors and uh, specialists that will continue to help, you know, help them um, recover from illnesses or to even be in remission from illnesses and live longer um, than they could. Like, in other words, we have a lot of people that, um, even uh, Latinos and African Americans, that um, are, do not take advantage of clinical trials. And uh, a part of that is because they don't know anything about it. And so those are also, and it's also been proven there, because uh, our other uh, Caucasian and other um, groups are able to take advantage of clinical trials. And so therefore, they're also able to live longer, you know, also even with terminal illnesses. And our people die at a, at a uh, faster rate because we do not have access to those services. So I just think, you know, overall, 
that um, you know a lot of things need to change and when we look at also the amount of money that even comes into our state for health care and even African-American health care where is the money going and what is the difference that it's making in our community when we continue to have a high rate of persons that have diabetes high rate of people that have asthma and all of those kinds of things and so what we call the social determinants of health uh, meaning housing, you know, some people don't have transportation to get to where they need to go to. Um, so there's so many different barriers that really stop, you know, people from really maintaining a healthy lifestyle. We're talking with Reverend Robin Anderson, who is the principal of Destiny Alliance, and we'll be back after the break. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord. As the world looks upon me as I travel alone, they say.
back. We're talking with Reverend Robert Anderson, who is the founder of Destiny Alliance, a consulting firm that specializes in health equity. And she's in the midst of preparing a legislative breakfast on April 15th to focus on health equity in Connecticut. And so there's a number of key issues that are impacting, especially communities of color and people that are impacted by poverty, that's going to be addressed at this upcoming legislative breakfast. So one of the things you talked about was making sure that there's funding and support for community health workers. What are community health workers? Community health workers are workers that actually come from the community uh, that, uh, in which many people uh, live in that have health disparities. Uh, and they're actually trained and they work on working with people and step work, walking them through uh, the health care system, um, also uh, educating them on those things that they should have access to, uh, really uh, being able to uh, educate them on nutrition or being able to open up the door or, send, or have resources that they're able to have uh, nutritional ed, uh, 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 consultants, um, also um, have, you know, being able to go to grocery stores and places that they can go to get uh, fresh foods and healthy food uh, that they have. And they're really the person that kind of walks with them, uh, you know, through this process and through this, um, through the systems, uh, because sometimes systems can be very overwhelming. And so it's always good to have someone that is from your community that's able to walk with you through those things. So what organizations currently have community health workers? Uh, one uh, organiz several organizations have them or are going to ha are in the process of having them. So I know that um, like uh, the Charter Oak um, uh, Healthcare um, Center, they have um, community health care workers. Um, they also have uh, community health care workers. Uh, actually, uh, the Department of Public Health um, has various initiatives in which they have what they call doulas, which are really looking at infant mortality and maternal health and really helping people to get to um, the um, you know doctors and prenatal care and even those high-risk pregnancies, making sure that they help them to do whatever they need to do to avoid some of those high-risk situations that could uh, result in childbirth um, deaths, you know, childbirth uh, defects, but also could result in um, uh, a mother dying, you know, because of uh, childbirth. Um, then they also have uh, several different, you know, community organizations um, have um, community health workers or in the process of it. As a matter of fact, I just received notice today, Middlesex Hospital, their breast um, cancer program uh, actually got funding to have a full-time uh, community health worker that would be able to help um, persons um, to get tested early, but also those that are tested get tested and they you know are positive for breast cancer help them to immediately get into a program uh, or get into a program even at uh, Middlesex Hospital in Middletown especially there is a large that one of the largest um, rate of uh, breast cancer is with African American women in the Middletown area. That's amazing, and so you know we look at the changes that are going on in the healthcare system. And Lord knows, since things have shifted with insurance coverage, for many people, just getting to the doctor itself is a challenge. But it's wonderful that there are community health workers that can really walk with people with their health, and that way they can have better health outcomes. Now, we know in the traditional, not the community-based, but the traditional medical system, 
there aren't community health workers easily available, and yet there's powerful benefits. So how might the healthcare system change so everyone can have access to someone like a community health worker or a doula? Well, I think the, the whole system could change by really just adopting this and a policy uh, comes into effect and also that even through primary care doctors, um, for instance, there's a high rate of persons that go to the emergency room that if they were just linked up with a, uh, a primary care doctor, then they would not, you know, uh, come to the emergency room, which would also, of course, um, cut down on the cost of um, of um, emergency care, you know, and so it would save hospitals money, but also even looking at it on another end, the insurance companies would also, it would also uh, hopefully decrease our insurance rate because people are not going to the emergency room also at a high rate, but also, uh, and then it really um, helps them to be able to um, ask their primary doctor things that they don't necessarily know or things that they don't understand that the doctor is saying to them then they're able to get that kind of, you know, understanding um, from their primary doctor. And I really think that means that every primary doctor ought to be able to link someone with a community health worker. And, you know, we, that some practices do have an APRN or someone that might spend more time with an individual. So it's wonderful to see the opening where people can really partner with their health care provider for positive health outcomes, especially as it relates to people of color in the state of Connecticut. So one of the other things you're going to be talking about at the legislative breakfast is the importance of insurance affordability. What are you seeing in the state of Connecticut around insurance affordability? Well, I think um, not even just in Connecticut, but all over the world. Um, you know, we go through various times in which certain uh, programs are being cut or certain benefits as it relates to Medicaid and Medicare and various cuts that really affect um, our community. And I can say even as a faith leader, what also happens is that any cuts in insurance where people can't uh, afford their uh, prescription medications, uh, if they uh, cannot afford co-pays uh, from doctors, uh, then usually they have to really try to find that money. And so many times I, we have as faith leaders had to give our persons in our congregation, especially our seniors, who have worked and paid taxes, you know, up until the time that they're not able to work, but they come to a place where they cannot afford their prescription medication that they need, and so we provide those funds to them. And I just think that we ha we have to look at being able to uh, have insurance that people can afford, and everyone should have a right and access to insurance, and affordable insurance that they can afford. We also have people that are working every day, and because they're working two or three jobs that are part-time because their jobs do not office, offer insurance, then they are not able, even though they're signed up through access to health, uh, health for uh, free insurance, supposedly, or based on your income, I've had people in my congregation who've had near-death experiences because they were not able to pay their premiums because it was a matter of either they eat or they pay their rent or pay the insurance premiums. And that's tragic. And, you know, you've really captured my mind where you talk about the opportunity that many faith communities have to make a difference in the lives, especially in the elders in their midst, even by helping them cover the cost of the co-pays for their prescriptions. And so that's a great way to be able to help someone that might be in your midst and they're struggling and you don't necessarily know it. Exactly. 
And that's, um, and that's something that really faith leaders have been doing for many years. In many ways, faith leaders are community health workers. Uh, if someone is going for surgery or they're, and so usually, who do they call? They call the pastor to, add, to let the pastor know that they're having surgery. And so usually what happens is that the pastor shows up at the hospital or transports them to the hospital because they may not have a ride to the hospital. Uh, you know, and also a lot of times just staying there with them as they go through this process or any type of illness or terminal illness or any type of crisis or emergency that goes on. Usually we are the community health workers that actually accompany our people. And when they don't understand things or have questions about things, even if we don't understand it, we'll find the resources so they can understand it. If they don't have a means of having transportation, we find a way to give them either funds for transportation or finding resources. Housing, if they don't have housing or they're having trouble with their housing, we also advocate for their housing and help them relocate or find other housing. We're talking with Reverend Robin Anderson, who is the principal of Destiny Alliance, a consulting firm that specializes in health equity, and we'll be back after the break. You have been listening to Rich Answers, a public affairs program of the Conference of Churches.
who's the founder and principal of Destiny Alliance, a consulting firm that specializes in health equity, advocacy, and faith-based organizations. And she's currently preparing for a legislative breakfast on April 15th to focus on health equity in Connecticut. So what's going to happen at the legislative breakfast on April 15th? Well, what's going to happen at the legislative breakfast that we will be uh, coming in large numbers. Um, We have... um, of course, our faith leaders and um, our community leaders and also organizations. And also we have uh, some of our, our Keep the Promise and other uh, persons that will also be bringing their, uh, pers- their advocacy coalition also that advocates for behavioral health needs. And so they will uh, also come along with people, uh, just everyday people, community people that are dealing with uh, not being able to have access to insurance not having access to nutritional foods, uh, not having um, access to transportation and all of the housing and those social um, health uh, determinants that um, also help us not to be healthy. We also will have uh, Dr. Wisdom Powell, who will be um, our speaker, who is the Director of Health Disparities and Equity at uh, UConn, uh, University of Connecticut. And so for people that are listening now that might be active in a faith community or a faith leader, how can they be involved in this breakfast? You can be involved in this breakfast by coming and being a part of it. Uh, The breakfast will start at uh, 9 o'clock a.m. in the legislative office building uh, in the dining room. We would love to have you come and be a part of this legislative breakfast. Um, I believe in what we, um, what Calvin Rolocker used to be the president of the uh, United Black Fund, in order to save us, the only person that can save us is us. And so it requires all of us to come together, that we might all continue to work together for affordable health care, but also to reduce and address health disparity and achieve health equity. During our break, you were talking about the possibility of faith leaders being certified as community health workers. What difference might that make if a pastor is certified in that way to be actively engaged in healthcare provision. I think again, like I had said earlier, that we really already do the work, so it would kind of be official that we would be able to uh, be certified uh, in in this position as community health workers. We also become resources uh, for the community and also for others and a natural support for people to be able to have community health workers, even in the church that they belong to, who are certified, that are able to walk them through the process, but also um, are able to be uh, paid uh, through their um, health insurance. And so if people want to get actively involved in the Ministerial Health Fellowship Advocacy Coalition, how do they get involved? Uh, We meet um, every um, once a month, every second Monday, 
uh, at 6 o'clock. Uh, from 6 o'clock to 8 o'clock, we have dinner that's served hot home-cooked dinner, and it's held at Cross Street AME Zion Church at 440 West Street in Middletown, Connecticut. And we'd love to have you come. And that's the Ministerial Health Fellowship Advocacy Coalition. And you said that's the second Monday? Second Monday of the month. Uh, persons can also email me. Uh, and my email address is rev, R-E-V-R-M, Anderson at gmail.com. Gmail.com, I'm sorry. would love to hear from you. And so we know that you're continuing to do great work in the community looking at certification for doulas and community health workers, insurance affordability, and also looking at Husky A insurance. So what is the work that's involved with Husky A? Well, um, the other issue that we're um, looking at is that in many ways, um, of course, all of this is always driven by economics. And um, again, like I said, underneath it is racism. And so um, they're looking at um, lowering uh, the um, uh, annual salary or annual um, income uh, rate, um, or raising it, I'm sorry, so that uh, persons would not be able to receive Husky, um, you know, at a certain income level um, as they are accustomed to now. And so as you look at your work moving forward, what's some of the next things that you're going to be working on? What's on the horizon? Um, really, this thing around Husky uh, A and really uh, affordable health, um, I'm also part of what they call the Health Enhancement Community, which is through the Office of Health and Strategies, and a part of that is really helping communities to come together and form these collaborations and work on some of those things that are needed, such as being able to make sure that healthy food is able to be available in their community. Uh, those that may have diabetes, making sure that we have you know, certain uh, programs that will help them to eat differently um, and um, you know, to really uh, continue to work on them you know, really taking care of themselves and going to the doctor. And so a part of that is really forming this collaborative that works together on uh, healthy well-being as it relates to healthy weight and also really um, adverse childhood experiences as well. So it's kind of preventive uh, angle of it, but also dealing with the here and now in terms of what's going on with person's health as well. And so we know that when it comes to this work called ministry, it can come in all forms. So we're very grateful for you and your work when it comes to health equity in the community and health and wellness. Thank you for being with us today. Thank you so much, and it's been my pleasure.
Listening to Rich Answers, a public affairs program of the Conference of Churches and a production of the 224 Ecospace. Reach out to us and tell us what you think. Look for Rich Answers, the Conference of Churches, and me, Reverend Dr. Shelley Bess, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Like us, follow us, share us.